Well, good morning. You can have a seat. My name is Rick. I'm one of the ministers here. Thank you for being here at First City. I love that song. I hope that, uh, yeah, you can hear me, right? It's on. So uh, I love that song. I heard it for the first time on Caleb about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. And I just love that chorus. I thought, man, that ought to be the theme song of my life. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody that saved my soul. Thanks, guys. Because ever since you rescued me, I've got a song to sing, and I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Anybody? We want to live that way. Well, it all begins with, I'm just a nobody. What does that mean? I'm just a nobody. Because I'm going to look at it one or two ways. Either I'm just going to waller in self-pity, and I'm just, I'm just a nobody. You know, I'm an Eeyore. And right, and I'm just going to play victim of something, or I'm going to know exactly who I am and recognize that compared to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, and Him crucified, I don't know what it was either, Trent, but if it happens again, I'll grab a, maybe I'll just go ahead and do it now. That's what you're saying? All right. technology, right? So uh, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody that saved my soul (laughs) and uh, getting rid of microphones. And so how do you become a nobody? Is it possible that you can go into self-discovery and find out who you really are and still become a nobody in the kingdom of God? Because it seems like that really is all about life on this earth. You know, I'm born and I, I grow and I try to learn who am I? Why do I exist? Do people find me worth hiring, worth knowing, worth being in a relationship with? A- am I somebody that people turn and run from? Or am I somebody that people say, hey, how are you doing? Do they want to be my friend? You know, am I valuable enough to get a paycheck? You know, and so... What is it that I contribute to this world? So I want to know what all that is. And yet on the other hand, Jesus said, if you fill your life up just trying to find your life, in the end you're going to lose it. However, if you lose yourself, you lose your life for my sake, you'll end up finding way more. And so... This, I'm just a nobody, doesn't come from a place of weakness. It comes from a place of strength. So Paul, when he's writing to this small church uh, in Colossae, says this in chapter 3 in the book of Colossians. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What do you mean I died? That I, what do you mean that I died? Well, he's like, well, you have one of two choices. You can either live for yourself or you can live for something greater. And he's like, if you want, just go ahead and test it. You fill up your life with things that only pertain to you, that benefit you. And you tell me where that gets you. Tell me if you find real life there. 
Because I bet you're going to find yourself at the end of a dead-end street. However, since I designed you, since I created you, since I numbered your days, since I gave you that, that hardwired into you everything that God wants out of you, he says, if you'll just trust me, I'll give you a life greater than what you can find on your own. What I find unique about the Word of God is this is the beginning place of a life with God. If you remember what it was like the very first time you opened up the Word of God, most people, they, 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 when they first pick up the Word of God, if they've had no background, if they haven't gone through any training, Bible study, or homes where God was really important, then they, they start at the beginning. You're right. It's just like any good novel. They don't realize that it's 66 books, 39 writers, over 1,600 years, all telling one story. And they start at the very beginning, and they open up, and they start in Genesis. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's like, wow, there is a creator, and it's God. It's not just science. There's a God over science. It's not just, it just didn't happen. If if it was a bang, the bang said, let there be light. (laughs) Right? And so there's a designer behind everything. But, But you don't even get two chapters into the story, and you realize sin enters the world and raises its ugly head and takes over everything so that by the time you get to just the sixth chapter in this Bible. The whole world is covered in sin and God regrets everything. But you keep reading and he finds Noah. And and Noah builds an ark and God says, Noah, I need you to do something. I need you to build a boat. What's a boat? It had never even rained at that part point in the story. And then the next character you meet is Abraham. And God said, Abraham, I need you to trust me. Hello, my name is God. I have a better plan for your life. Pack up everything that you have and follow me, and I'm going to show you a land where you're going to go, and I'll tell you about it later. And he did it. The beginning point of our whole story God asks a lot out of you to believe that there's a God, that He will take your broken life and bring healing, that He will speak to you, that He will lead you. And if you'll just submit everything and die to yourself, He'll lead you to something greater than you could have manipulated on your own. And that's the beginning of of the book. And that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. So it's talked about all over the Bible in just about every New Testament book. I'm only going to show you a couple of different ways that it's described. Paul wrote this to the Galatian church in chapter 2. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I was headed down one path, and I was blinded. I, God, I saw God, and he totally transformed my life so that I made a U-turn, and now all I'm doing is to live for this guy who saved my life. And I'm just a nobody, 
trying to tell everybody about somebody that saved my soul. In the book of Romans, chapter 6, it's worded like this. You should also consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. It's like at some point, you've got to come to the end of yourself and the beginning of something greater. Well, it's a process. So when Jesus was talking about the process, in John chapter 12, he said this in verse 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. What Jesus is saying is, I'm comparing your life to this process. If you were to decide, I'm going to give up my one precious life, and I'm going to, and I'm going to completely submit it to the things of God, it, and, and die to myself. God said, if, if you'll do that, I'm going to produce something new and exciting and powerful in you that will be way better than you could have done on your own. Do you believe that? And that's our whole message today. Because it, it begins with the fact that I really believe that. Now, some people just struggle right there. Some people really struggle with can I really trust God with my life, with my reputation, with my future, with my past? And so he's like, well, it's a process. It's not an easy process. It's a simple process, but it's not easy. So Jesus decided to give us an illustration. We read about it in Matthew chapter 13. A whole big crowd gathers around. Jesus is in a boat. There's so many people who can't even get out of the boat. And the Bible says that he just started talking to him, but he started talking to him in these word pictures. We call them parables. It's just like, hey, there's a farmer, and there's, I mean, he just talks in a bunch of different ways so that people can see what he wants them to hear. He's like, I want to say something, but I want to, I want to capture it for you in this word picture. So here's Matthew 13. Jesus gives us this process. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath. The birds came and ate them. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rocks. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. And he continues, Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Yet still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. He's like, if you're listening to me, then, then, then pause. Before going to your next thought, before thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch, before talking about who's going to win the football games today, just pause because God has something to ask of you. He, he has something he wants you to, to look at and consider today. Now, when Jesus was telling this parable, he's like, so a farmer goes out and he just starts scattering seed. And some of it falls on, you know, I, I don't know why I can't say soil. How do you say soil? Soil. soil. Some, somebody was talking to me after first service and they're like, just say oil and put an S in front of it. So soil, but that just doesn't sound right. How do you say it? Soil. Soil. soil, soil, soil. Am I saying it right? 
It's like I, in first service, I got so I couldn't say it. It sounded like I was just saying soul, like my soul, my spirit, my soul. God has four different souls. So I ended up saying, <laughs> today we're just going to talk about the four different kinds of pot. And they were all like, yay, a good cannabis term. We never heard anything like that. So it's four different kinds of dirt. We're talking about, so, so there's dirt. And there's four different kinds, and each one of these represents a life, a different kind of life. And Jesus is like, you're going to find yourself in, in one, uh, uh, one of these pots. You're going to find yourself in all of life. Everybody's going to be found right here today. And this farmer goes out, and so he's like, I'm a farmer, and I'm just scattering the Word of God. I want to plant something in you that can transform your life. And I'm just scattering it. Well, the people, when they heard the story, thought, that farmer is, is not smart. Because if he goes out and he just starts scattering seeds, seed was very precious. And so you don't want to waste even one kernel. You don't want to waste one seed because it can produce a lot. And why would you go out and throw it on a pathway and on rocky ground and thorny ground? And good ground, why would you waste three-fourths of your seed? No farmer would do that. So as he's just telling the parable, the people would say, My goodness, somebody, that farmer should have stopped and first determined, okay, where are our paths going to be? There's going to be a walking path over here and a, and a path over here. And then this is all of the soil that I, where I really want to harvest a, a, you know, something good. And then from there... He's going to walk through and he's going to pull out all of the rocks and he's going to turn over that dirt and he's going to get rid of all the rocks and he's going to pull out all the weeds. we got all these weeds growing up and if I just throw good seed in there, it's going to get lost. And so I'm going to pull all of that up, turn it all over. Now I've got something that can really accept something you know, in, in its soil, in its dirt that can produce a great harvest. And they're like, well, Jesus is like, well, I'm telling this story on, on, for a reason. Because everybody is in one of, you're in one of those four places. And I'm going to give you the word of God. And you're going to have to determine, does the word of God really struggle in your life to take root? And if so, why? And it's, there's different reasons. For some of you, it's just your life is full of trash. And I could scatter some seed there, but there's nothing in that that can take hold. So let's just walk through all four of these. And so I just said, here's a process. And the first one is, the one thing I need to do is to give up and fill up. There's a lot in here that I need to give up. And I need to fill it up with something that can really grab hold of God in my life. And I'm going to use Colossians chapter 3 because really this chapter, the first whole part of this chapter is fantastic up through verse 15. Uh, really that whole chapter is all about this process of, of dying to what is wrong and living to what is right. And so this first one, it says it's, uh, you know, it's this footpath. And, and so uh, there's a little bit of dirt in the bottom of it, and I've just packed it down and just really mashed it down really hard. And, and then on top of that, it, so Jesus is like, well, this seed, you can scatter it here, 
but it's where people walk and birds come and eat it. But I started looking at the paths, you know, where people walk around this city, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of trash in our city. Have you noticed? And so every place where you see where people walk, sidewalks and dirt paths, there are cans and trash and stuff all over it. And, uh, and so I was standing with someone talking about the message that I was going to talk about today. And I said, just look down where we are. And there was just trash everywhere. And I'm like, what is it about us that's just so trashy? And, and so the very first thing, and maybe nobody in here is at this place. But Jesus said, there's some people, they don't care at all about the Word of God. They don't care at all about doing what is right. And they've just filled their life with trash. And so a farmer can go, I could take some seed and plant in here, but what's going to happen to the seed? Nothing. A seed can't wrap itself around a McDonald's bag and produce anything good. And so this is what Paul said, and this is verse 5 of Colossians chapter 3. So put to death, this is trash, sinful, earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desire. He's like, this this stuff is trash. Now, there are some people, believe it or not, it's all they think about. They fill their mind with trash. They get on their computer and look at trash. They go to a movie or rent movies, and it's all trash. They turn on their radio dial, and it's all trash. They get with their friends and they tell dirty trash stories. They look out their window when they're riding down the road and they're looking for trash. And they wonder why nothing good is produced in their heart. And he's like, man, at some point, you've got to say, I need need to give this up and I need to get rid of that. And, and that, and, and I need to go through the work of giving, getting rid of all the trash, the filth, all the impurity in my life. And then this is really more about filling it up with things of God that are good. And he said, that's, 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 that's one bucket. And so it's almost like, are you in that bucket? Are you in the bucket? And, and the birds can come and eat all that seed because you're not going to get anything good of it. God can plant some stuff in you, but it's going to bounce off. And maybe it will, other people who see it or are close to it will be fed by the things that God really meant for you. So that's the, that's the first one. I need to give up and fill up with something better. And in verse, I think it's verse 12, this is what he talks about the fill up. So since God chose you to be a holy people, not impure, but holy, he loves you must clothe yourself with, this is some good stuff to fill up with, tenderhearted, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that's just like, it's almost like, look, if I can just get you, you're, you're getting rid of stuff, but if I can just get you to be patient, If I can just get you to be kind, that's a good first step. Don't let any hurtful words come out of your mouth. That's a great place to start. 
show mercy to people where you've been showing anger. Let's just start there. Okay. And then he comes over to the second one. This one I think is really, really difficult. And this number two, this is where we let go and open up. This is the rocky ground. I have to let go and I have to open up. And so in, back to Colossians 3 and verse 10, he's like, I want to put on this new nature in you. He's like, put on this new nature. Be renewed as you, I love this word, learn to know your creator and become like him. And so it's, it's, it's a learning process. It's something that God has to teach me because it's not easy. And so I don't know if you can see in or not, but in this bucket, all I just put a bunch of rocks. So it's just a bunch of rocks. That's got some dirt on top. But if anything is planted in there, it can take root. But once those roots grow through, it's going to get to this place of, it's going to get to this really hard place, and it's not going to be able to go anywhere else. So you could really, the enemy could easily just come and just pull it up and throw it away. It doesn't take anything. In fact, in the scripture it says, when the heat is applied, when the sun comes out, a life like this withers away. Now this is a hard one for me because all of these rocks have a name on them. Each, all these hard places in your life got there through pain, abuse. I can't, I don't even want the words to come out of my mouth. I'll get emotional about it because I have so many members of my family and so many friends and people, including me, who have built up this wall and, and won't let God penetrate because I carry past wounds. I mean, in me, I was sharing with my sister about something one day and I was just going off. This was about four years ago. No, it's longer than that, probably... Ten years ago now. And I was just going off. And my sister said, Rick, you need to get over it. I'm like, get over it? What are you talking about? Then I started playing victim. But they, they, rah, rah, rah. Listen, you, you just, you, <laughs> you need to get past that. Stop playing victim. You're not a victim. You've made a choice to hold on to some wounds but it's keeping you from being everything God's calling you to be. And I know there are people in this room, I know there are those of us who have been deeply wounded, maybe even no fault of your own, and you just hold on to those wounds, and it's keeping God from really growing in you what he wants to grow in you. And what he's saying is, is if you'll let me, I want to gently, with you, just pull out one and talk about it. I love it in Isaiah 1, one of my favorite scriptures. God said, come now, let's reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be like wool. He's like, come, let's just sit down. Let's talk about it. And together, we'll remove the hard stuff and create something tender in you. This is not easy, is it? And for those of you who've gone through pain, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's the pain that we hold on to. And, and, and all Jesus is saying is, if you'll let me help you remove some of that, God can do something amazing in your life. This next one is just as painful, but it's in a different way. 
He's like, there's some thorny ground. And this is where we have to carve out and we got to get our ego out. Nothing is going to feel good coming out of this bucket because it's going to seem like we're, we're wasting time or, 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 or it doesn't feed my greed. And so in Colossians chapter 3, it's like, hey, don't be greedy because that's like idolatry. And, and, and there's so much stuff, you know, that you can look at just worshiping the things of this world. And so the stuff in this, it can, there's a lot of good soil in there. And you could actually take some good seed and throw it down in there and it's going to make its way and it's going to start producing something. But it's not going to last very long and it's not going to be everything it could be because weeds have some really good roots and they can grow really deep and they take up, they suck up all the nourishment, all the good energy so that what's left that's really, really good gets lost. And so this is a life full of a bunch of good stuff, but I just don't have time for God. And, I, for, and, and listen, I, I, we're going to go to church, but I can't this week because we've got soccer practice and we've got ballerina classes and, and we've got piano and don't forget, you know, French. And, and then we've got the band and you're playing basketball and then we've got to go see our grandparents and then and I've got a, a, a conference I've got to go to and, and I've got a second job now. And so I've got all of this stuff. Good, good stuff. Really good stuff. But what he's saying is if you're not careful, you're going to let God get crowded out by all of your good stuff. And the world has so much of it as asking you to take hold of. Hey, if you'll just play this sport, you'll be... It'll give you a little good on that resume. And if you'll just come and if you'll just do this, if you'll just do that, your life will be happier. And we tend to, especially in America, fill our life up with so much stuff that when you come to church and the preacher asks you, Did you spend 30 minutes in the Word of God this week? You'll be like, Well, you don't understand the week that I've had. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> I know it was crazy. And what Jesus is saying is this is a very intentional decision. At some point, I've got to pull that out. I've got to, I've got to get rid of something and make more room for God. Because I can, I, can, I can take your life and all your stuff, and if I say, Hey, do you have time to join a small group? You're going to be like, oh, boy, I wish I did. <laughs> These days, I just don't have. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's start over. Tell me the priorities of your life. Top priority first. What is the top? Say this out loud. What is the top priority of your life? God. How many of you think God should be the top priority of our life? Just raise your hand real high. Now look around you because this is just going to be... So hold it up, hold it up, look around. God should be the highest priority of my life. Okay, put your hand down. Watch this. How many of you spend more time with God than you do anything else? Look around you. Okay. When our highest priority doesn't match our time priorities. Stress. It's a life of stress. God's my highest priority, but I don't spend 50 hours a week with God like I do my job. 
I mean, I can say my family is my next highest priority, but I don't, I don't even spend in our world today, adults don't even spend an average of 10 minutes a day with their child. And so all he's saying is, listen, how long are you going to run after things other than God? When will you sit down and say, I'm sorry, I can't do that because I've got something else I'm running after. And this is what he said. Any one of you who will make a decision to intentionally say, I'm going to pull that out. I'm going to pull that up and get rid of it so that I make more room from God. Any one of you who do that, God will bless you. I I will bless your life. Now, this is where our ego kicks in because that's not going to feel right. I'm wasting time. My resume's not going to look as good. I don't. Man, who was it? Who was it? Was it was it Martin Luther? Who was it, Charles? Who was it that said, I spend I have to spend two hours praying to God every morning. Because if I don't, I won't have enough time for everything else I've got to get done. Do you remember who that was? Look it up on the internet. And because and I'm thinking if you didn't spend two hours in prayer, you could get done everything else. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's like, if I don't spend time with God, my life is going to look like this. Okay. And then here's the good soul. This is, there's nothing in here. I've, I'll, this is just ready to receive something. It's ready, Judy, for you to plant something good in here. It's ready. It's ready. It's It's ready. For something good to have, it's it's taking its time, and this is where God's like, okay, this I need you to just to be, to let the peace of God rule in your heart and to be thankful. And so that's what well, this is what this is all about. In fact, verse fifteen says it. It just says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. You're called to live in peace. And so I love it when he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Because you don't have to. Let God take over. He'll do a better job with your life. And so it's like, man, I want to trust God in everything. Well, trust Him. Just have a peace about turning it over to God. If it's your, man, I'm worried about my children. Turn it over to God. And let the peace of God. He'll, he'll, he loves your children more than you do. He'll do a better job leading them to Him than you will. Let the peace of God take over and be thankful. Even if it's hard, be thankful. Even if it's difficult, be thankful. So what should I do with this? Well, where are you? You know, which, which one of the four are you? I, don't, I, I bet nobody in here is right here, right? Because those, these people don't feel a value to go and be some, get up on Sunday and Spend time with God. You know, maybe you're here. I've got deep woundedness, and it's been hard, and I do hold on to things. Or maybe your life is so full of other stuff, God has been crowded out. Or maybe you are really ready in your own heart, and you're learning to let God do more and more with a spirit of thankfulness. Or maybe you're like me. This is me. It's it's the fifth bucket. It's got a little trash in it. It's got a red Solo cup, right? It's got a little trash in it. It's got some rocks in it. It's got some weeds in it. And it's got some good soil in it. 
It's like, man, I'm just a combination of all those things. Maybe that's where you are. I got, you know what? I got it. It's pretty easy. I know what's the trashy stuff in my life that I need to get rid of. And for whatever reason, I've just delayed and delayed and delayed. And I need to just finally do it. And I need to get somebody in my life that says, you know what? I need you to help me with this. I no longer want to lose my temper or whatever. I no longer want to talk like that. I no longer want to turn my head twice at something I shouldn't have seen once. Will you help me? Well, I just, and then I got some stuff, man, from my past that just keep keep lurking up and it just keeps God from taking deeper root and I just I filled my life with some stuff I need to just stop watching so much television I need to just I can get rid of that one thing I don't have to do that and I love it but I don't have to be in 22 fantasy football leagues I can be happy with 12 (laughs) where are you here's a couple of good places to start We have a ministry that's having an impact in this city on hurting children called Lift. And as soon as we're finished downstairs, you can go and register to help in that ministry. And you can choose what level you want to get involved in. All I want to do is fix one meal, one time a month for one foster family. Perfect. Let's get you signed up. I cut grass, but I can't do it every week, but I can do it once a month. Perfect. Let's get you signed up. I'm just going to be praying for people. I have $10 a month. I just want to donate with it. Whatever it is, you get to choose. I want to foster children in my home. Or I want to wrap around somebody who's fostering children in their home. I want to become a prayer warrior. Really doesn't matter what the contribution, how little or how great. And Randy is downstairs as soon as we finish. She's signing people up. And here's the thing. If you've already signed up once, it's only for six months. We only have people sign up as a volunteer to help in that ministry six months at a time. And so we're re-signing everybody up. And when you re-sign up, we're signing you up into a thing called Foster Florida. By the way, there's hundreds of people registered on this thing now. God is really growing it in an unbelievable way. And so they do background checks and things, but talk with Randy downstairs. That's one place where you can get involved. Here's another place. This one's for the men. Thank you, guys. So Leland already told you, we have a men's breakfast September the 21st. And I'm really looking forward to it. Before you leave the grounds today, you can do it right now while I'm talking. Get your phone out. Go to firstcitychurch.org. Go to the tab that says get involved. Go down to events. Click on it and it comes up. And when you click on the men's event, it says register now. You put in your first name, your last name, your email and your phone number and you're registered, you men, you will be encouraged by what's going to happen at the men's event. Carve out that morning and don't let anything interrupt it. It's going to start at 8 and it's going to end at 11. You won't miss one football game. As if it were more important than what God's going to say to you that morning anyway. It's not. And, and, And we need every man there. We need 100 men in here who are going to be at that event. Those are just two simple places to start. And so where, where do you want to start? Which of those represent you? And the last question is, what's the one thing I know I need to begin doing? 
And don't leave today before doing it. At least let's offer it up as a prayer. And so this is what we do with this time. And every week we do it. We go into this time of communion and we just simply say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving up your life so that I could have access to the Father. If Jesus had not have died, the Holy Spirit would not be allowed to come into your heart and your life and transform you in the name of Jesus Christ. But since Jesus gave his life up and he died as a victory over sin and death and the enemy, he said, now I've sent the comforter to you. And now God isn't one off. He's not beyond the azure blue. He is as close as you're asking. And God said, I will take up residency in your life and together we'll remove the rocks. We'll we'll remove the weeds and we'll create something rich that God can do a miracle, do a good work in you.